Welcome, Anna. Thanks, Philippos. Great to be here. I'm very happy that you are joining Marvel Talks. You were highly recommended by a person who is highly recommended. So <laughs> I'm really happy to have you on board. Fantastic. Uh, let me say a few things to our viewers who are slowly gathering before the stage in the various platforms about Anna. Anna is a community curator a LinkedIn educator and storyteller, and she's driven to help individuals and businesses to build better and more authentic connections in a digital world. She co-founded the LinkedIn Local Movement, an initiative to connect offline, in real of, uh, offline and real life, and the movement spreads to 90 and more countries in 22 uh, months and has since been validated by LinkedIn. Anna also empowers entrepreneurs and brands looking to create and scale their own communities. She has a unique background in social media and re recruitment and is an accomplished LinkedIn trainer and speaker. Is this an accurate snapshot of what you do, Anna? Yes, it is. Yep. Very well said. Would you like to add something? Uh, I probably what isn't in that bio is uh, the book that is coming in a matter of weeks. So I could Fantastic. almost say author or co-author, as is the case of this book, but I'm not quite there yet. So uh, anybody, if they're watching a live replay in three weeks' time, perhaps we could add that. That's fantastic. I have it down the line. It's one of my points coming up soon. So let me ask you about one of the major, let's say, points in your journey. Tell us about LinkedIn Local. I'm very, very curious to find out about this incredible initiative that I mean, it took the world by storm. It did. It was, it was a flame that, that set the world alight, I think. Uh, <laughs> it began, uh, LinkedIn Local began as um, on a, on a complete whim, entirely uh, by accident, uh, one day when I added a post to the news feed to said I was going to set up a LinkedIn local meetup in my local city, which is a city called Coffs Harbour in Australia. Um, and to put that in a bit of context, we're a city of 70,000 people. So mm. it was not a big city. It was not, not New York or, or London or anywhere that um, you expect movements to begin um, and creativity to come from. But um, it was a, a bit of innovation that could come from anywhere and it did. So but the post I put up was well-received locally. Um, on that post, I met a few um, people who became major co-creators of the LinkedIn local movement, Alexandra Galvez, Eric Eklund, and Swish Goswami. So with four cities, four countries, four people, began what we just hashtagged LinkedIn local. And this was before hashtags were really a thing on LinkedIn. And it, it literally spread like wildfire. Um, I think we were 96 countries at the two-year mark um, and it was just literally blowing up. 
in the news feed everywhere and um, amazing to watch um, the four of us, um, along with many, many, many others who helped along the way, um, managed a host community and um, provided all the mentoring and a method in order to, to build those local groups and those local communities. And a truly, truly amazing experience. It, it helped me very much kind of find my purpose and my why, which was which was fantastic. And at around the two-year mark, um, it was validated by LinkedIn. They released some terms giving all LinkedIn users access to the LinkedIn local logo that people can see up um, and some a framework within uh, to work with. So um, at that point, it became very much open source. Our work was done and, um, and we moved on apart from still run a lot of us still run our own groups and it very much still exists on LinkedIn uh, and um, lots of communities still meet where they can um, obviously in the last few months that has meant a lot of groups have shifted to online platforms for online networking but um, but but very much still alive and well in a lot of countries and a lot of cities throughout the world so with the COVID situation clearly events in the real world are now postponed do you see any activity with linkedin local or as you have said before it's there are, yeah i've attended and one of the interesting things about that is um people used to say to me oh if you're ever in uh baltimore please come and please come mm. to one of our events so i know the host in baltimore very well and she messaged me she said we're now online now you can come and sure enough um, I went and spoke at their online event, which was fantastic, um, the Austin one. I, there's a lot of cities, Vancouver, um, a lot of cities that are just continuing to do monthly or even weekly in some cases online groups. They tend to perhaps be a bit smaller just because the Zoom, I know a lot of people are using Zoom, yet obviously don't need to use Zoom, but a lot of people are running slightly smaller groups and and really engaging with people that perhaps couldn't engage with the offline events. So um, I think it's been an interesting experience for a lot of people in, in any community sense, not just LinkedIn Local, to see the shift, the demand, what how, how that changes. And there's a lot of innovation coming up, I think, with online events and a lot of platforms mm -hmm. and roundtables that people are doing. So... Um, whilst it's an awful situation and whilst I'm a big proponent of face-to-face -face connection mm. in order to build relationships at the moment, that's, that's tricky. So we've got to make do with, I guess, I guess the circumstances that we're in. Is it not an irony to hold the LinkedIn local event digitally? <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. But if it still connects local businesses, then perhaps why not? And it connects. What was really interesting about um, Baltimore was they really brought in, um, they had, I think, five speakers, so four mm. local companies plus just me talking at the end um, just about LinkedIn Local. But they had four. They had the mascot for their local, I think, their baseball team. They had um, oysters are a big part of Baltimore, so they had somebody doing an oyster shucking mm. demonstration um, they had, they were supposed to have held the event in a mead factory, um, which is a bit like a brewery. And so they actually had the owner of that doing a tour just with their phone, taking them around, which is what would have happened on the night. So it did really have a local feel to it. It mm. was about the city. It was about various aspects of the city that they often do at their offline events. And just anybody could join that online. Primarily, most of the attendees were local, but of course, there was an opportunity for anybody 
like me to join without. So, so yes, there is an irony, but there are ways, ways in which to do it that um, can help showcase and partner with local businesses. How does someone begin to implement a LinkedIn local event? We had that conversation, remember? We have, yeah. Look, I think, um, first of all, I think there needs to be, and I, I think this is true of any community, that you have to feel, I, I guess, the need and the pain yourself in order to have the drive to go and do what you're going to build. Um, and in, in my case, and I think for a lot of LinkedIn local hosts, um, networking either frightens them or they just, um, particularly traditional networking that's very sales-based, that's very walk into a room, hand around business cards, don't actually talk to anybody or build any relationships. Hosts tend to want to avoid that type of connection and they want to create community. They want people to come. Um, the tagline we've always used is get to know the people behind the LinkedIn profiles mm -hmm. and connect at a human level. And I think that having that desire to do that is is really um, special. So first of all, that is um, step number one. Step number two is to actually talk about it in the newsfeed initially and just mm -hmm. ask if there's demand for it. Put up a post on LinkedIn. I'm thinking about organising this. You know, is this something you'd be interested in attending? Um, tag some local connections in the comments and, and see what kind of response you get. Because from there, I know people who've done that who've found co-hosts on that post, they've found venues, they've found all sorts of um, either great responses or if there isn't a huge response to a post like that, they know that they need to go and find some co-hosts and other people to help them spread the word. So, And from there, it's simply just about getting your local LinkedIn connections together offline at a suitable time and place um, as and when perhaps it's socially distanced currently um, or an online one at the moment. Uh, I, I recall our discussion on, well, in your city as well, on what's the appropriate size for organizing such event. And I understand from you that quite Interestingly, even small towns or cities with like 70,000, and you, you, you have less, your population is less than in the city where I live, in Limassol. But I understand from you that it's not so much only about metropolis and about organizing such events in big... Uh, Absolutely. No, and I mean, we all build connections locally very much at the moment in particular we're very dependent on supporting local businesses mm. uh, and so that drive is there um, certainly people want to help their neighbor help their you know the people within their within their local community and support that but we've we've often seen smaller cities do well um, with LinkedIn local larger cities do too they tend to just have a specific part of the city that you know they they meet in um, be it downtown or outlying areas. And it, it, it works in that as long as you're not going for the, that sort of 100-person event, which, by the way, are fine. You just don't get, tend to get a lot of, um, you know, you, you don't get to obviously talk to everybody that's there. But, I mean, my events, I mean, I've continued to run events up until the beginning of COVID, so almost three years, and I will restart again soon here in Australia. But 
My events are typically around about 25 people each time. They're small. They don't need mm. to be any bigger. It makes it very simple to organise. It makes venues very easy to find. Um, and it doesn't create a huge amount of work. Larger events do have have the added, you know, the additional work in terms of, um, you know, either either finding larger venues or things like that. So it's a it's an initiative that really does work at a very local level. Um, and larger cities too, of course, it, you know, you, you're going to get the demand. Um, but I think in for a lot of what I what I have tended to find, not just in my own community, but a lot of other communities, is LinkedIn local in a smaller community suddenly makes LinkedIn relevant. Mm. It LinkedIn becomes more relevant to people in smaller cities because suddenly there's a, a way to find people and a way to connect. Whereas previously it's this global platform, but they're so used to doing business locally, what's the relevance to use LinkedIn? LinkedIn local actually brings that you know, there's 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 the online and the offline together, mm. um, and it 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 it, it binds the, those relationships much better, um, and in a much more thorough way than perhaps just online can. And and so I think it it suddenly makes LinkedIn very relevant to a lot of local businesses. I always thought that the ideal way of utilizing LinkedIn is similar to a, a tango dance. Basically, it's a tango between the offline and online. In what sense? The people you meet online, ideally, you need to pursue an offline connection or interaction because we are human beings. You know, the real deep human connections are much more likely to, to come about and to flourish when we actually meet up face to face, as you said. So the people you meet online, ideally, you should seek for opportunities to go for a coffee or meet up with them offline as well. And the other way as well. So the people you meet offline, as you said, with the local or in general, then you find them online, let's say on LinkedIn, so as to continue nurturing and warming up the relationship that began offline. And by doing that, you are much more likely to, let's say, do some business together in the future and not let the whole situation die. So mm. ideally, it should be a tango between offline and online. And I think you are correct that the LinkedIn local takes that concept to to the best possible level that there is, to my view. But talking about LinkedIn, because behind all of this, the backbone of the building of communities based on either LinkedIn local or in any other way, it's LinkedIn. And I know that you are a coach, you are an educator, you are very well versed with the LinkedIn ecosystem. And I wanted to take some time discussing about it because it's a very, very important platform for business. What makes LinkedIn different than other platforms? What do you think makes it? Is it unique? I think, um, I think it's largely... Um, business and human focus and um, a lot of people will see um, and it and it's probably a little more relevant from in a business to business space um, although I think that is changing quite significantly but um, it's it, it obviously has a I think it's a more purposeful platform um, 
other social media platforms perhaps don't have as much purpose or people don't have perhaps identify with that purpose um, and there can be a lot of noise. Whereas some, a platform like LinkedIn, it really allows people to, to build those relationships that are all those, as I call them, virtual villagers, um, to actually support them and help them in their career um, or, you know, in their, in their life in terms of either, you know, making friends, forming collaborations, um, finding people that are going to inspire you, that can, can potentially mentor you, career opportunities um, and, 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 I, and an opportunity to build some thought leadership and share ideas and, and to learn as well. And I think that can happen on a lot of other social media platforms and probably more so in other um, industries. You can do that better than others on other platforms. But LinkedIn really has that ability to help people achieve that, um, you know, that, that sense of, you know, the virtual village around them or that community or, and building that network. Um, and that can get quite lost on other platforms for some users. And so I think that's one of the reasons that um, it, it is a great platform. I, um, and, and it's got, I mean, it's in terms of tools and features, it's got a great lot of functions for that. There's certainly room for improvement, in my opinion, particularly with things like LinkedIn groups. But um, it's a very growing, um, you know, growing and thriving platform and something that, you can inv if you invest the time in, you get an, a huge, huge return. Um, whereas the time spent perhaps on other social media platforms isn't always, you don't always get a return on that investment. That how is it investment. that, yep, how is it that some people on LinkedIn post and they have all these engagements, all these interactions, and others post and get nothing? Do you have an explanation? Uh, look, there's a lot of things it's dependent on, um, and there's a lot been a lot of changes to the algorithm recently. But getting started, you tend not to get a lot of engagement, um, and that can can simply be um, the algorithm works almost like in a building building blocks. So you're actually adding bricks to a wall, and you need to build up a bit of a reputation in order for the delivery of your post to go a little bit further. Certain types of content do better than others. That's had quite a bit of a shift recently. Um, in terms, I don't think native video is doing as well as um, as it used to, um, and that's been a change to the algorithm um, that's happened. And I mean, there's a, when you look at somebody who gets really, really high views on videos, they tend to be people who have quite large followings. Um, you know, potentially over the fifty thousand, even over a hundred thousand followers, um, and that's where those views come from. Um, but having said that, it's, it's a, if you've got a, a, a good engaged network, say of a thousand or two thousand people, um, and those people are active, they're within your, you know, that, you know, they're going to be interested in the content that you're putting out. You can still get a lot of really good engagement that perhaps isn't related on views but is more related on relationships um, and generating leads. High views don't always translate translate to um, lead generation or, or achieving the purpose that you're there to achieve. At the end of the day, it all boils down to 
what's your purpose is on LinkedIn mm. and, and whether, whether your activity on LinkedIn is, in, is aligned with your purpose because you are correct. In the past, I remember there were some people who were extremely active, posting all sorts of things about traveling, about cats, about food, about... So um, in my mind, it was clear that they were going for as many different types of followers from different countries and industries and worldviews as possible, but without having a specific niche. So the, and my question to you is, is it a good thing to have a niche on LinkedIn in terms of how you craft your message? Is it a proper thing or is, or is it a double-edged sword? Look, I I, th I think having a niche me message in marketing is is really important um, mm. on LinkedIn or anywhere else. I mean, a lot of people who are perhaps doing very viral videos, um, they they get paid to create videos like that, and they're looking for clients who they can create those videos for. Mm. Um, so they they have professional videography. They have what you and I don't have, which is, you know, a webcam and a set of headphones that, you know, just what you have lying around at home. Um, but having said that, I think people that I, you know, and I've seen on LinkedIn is it's the ones that aren't so polished that you often end up private messaging or building a relationship with. And whilst the viral ones, they're fun to watch and you might get a bit out of them and you might get a few tips and learn something they're not always going to translate to um, to to leads. It, it, it depends what it is. If it's designed just for clickbait, um, then, you know, it, it, it's, it, it may get the likes and the comments and the visibility and people can claim, oh, well, you know, I had a million views on my post and and that's great. And it, But it depends, you know, if it's a message that resonates, that's part of your purpose, that's part of, you know, who you are or the message that you're trying to get out there, then that's great. If it's simply just to, you know, have a cat do a cool trick, then is it is it helping you or not? Mm. I mean, it's, it, you know, perhaps, perhaps you're there for fun and that's and that's great. So, um, but I, I try to really encourage people to look at the number of likes, the number of comments that you're getting um, and ultimately the number of good connections that are in your target market um, and, relationships and ultimately leads. What about people who seek instant gratification? Is LinkedIn a place for them? Uh, no. There's no you can't you can't hack LinkedIn. There's no growth hack. It's, I've been mm -hmm. please go on. Well it just it's not because people it, it because it's a platform built for people. Um, and it's a platform for that reason built around relationships. And you can't build a relationship with somebody by putting up one video and expecting that um, everybody's going to flock and, and, and you know, do, do wonderful things. Um, it's so, no, it's there. The, yeah, the, the instant gratification just, I it, it rarely works on LinkedIn. It is a network you need to cultivate, the relationships you need to build. If you invest the time, there's a huge return on that, but you do need to be willing to invest that time. I think that 
it's very easy as well to wrap people the wrong way on LinkedIn in the sense that, I mean, there are many people who send spam messages. There are people who simply use bots just to sell you services. But I think if our purpose is to get into LinkedIn and immediately begin selling, uh, this is, I'm not quite convinced that this is a correct mindset for winning on LinkedIn. On the other hand, I think LinkedIn requires the long game approach. It really does. A lot of the bots that people are using don't actually, they aren't allowed, they actually break the user agreement. So, mm. um, so first of all, they're not allowed. And secondly, they just, I you can, you know when you receive one because you can smell it a mile off. I mean, I have people who message me to say we can use LinkedIn and generate 20 leads a day for you. And I I sort of respond to that, well, have you actually read my profile? Because as you can see, I'm also a LinkedIn trainer. And what's interesting about that is for some people that actually continues and they keep sending you those messages. And it's like... You clearly aren't reading my profile. You clearly aren't reading any of this. And you are just literally sending 100 messages. You're picking a random people, 100 messages a day, hoping that one or two are going to come back and buy whatever it is that you're offering. And if you do that at very high volume, probably somebody will. Is it the type of client you want to work with? It's certainly not the type of client I want to work with, but... Um, but having said that, it's people are certainly doing it, and um, it it can work in some industries better than others. But I, particularly the messaging that I share, and I would say this to anybody in in business or you know job seekers as well, you want to carefully craft the message that you're sending out, and if the message has been, you know sent by a robot or it's automated. I've heard some horror stories of people um, who've had automation tools and and the wrong thing has been sent to the wrong person, which has caused quite deep offence. And it's, I mean, that's ultimately your brand that's at stake to that. So um, whilst you might think you don't have the time, um, I'd consider what how much time it's going to take to build a reputation that's fallen simply because you've tried to tried to take some shortcuts. I think it makes sense. And I would add that the higher the price of the ticket, then the, the higher the chances that you will create damage by automating your message. What I mm. mean is that, especially if you're targeting the business to business world and decision makers who uh, who, who will decide whether or not they will hire you for a high-value service. I think that's a completely wrong way to approach LinkedIn. I mean, as you said, LinkedIn is about building relationships and not about mm -hmm. a transactional type of mindset that will not get you really, really far. And I had worse stories. I received one day a few months ago, I, I received a message from somebody telling me, dear John, we can... Uh, help you save on your electricity. The name was wrong. So, dear John, I mean, if, if you are going to use a bot, at least learn how to use it correctly. So, there are horror stories. I agree with you. Oh, there are. 
the, listen, how is it possible to reach the decision maker in your target industry on LinkedIn? Because it seems that the world is so much smaller now. I mean, you scroll on your LinkedIn newsfeed and you see a post by your ideal client. Maybe he's a second connection. Let's say he's the CEO of that huge chain of supermarkets, okay? And it's it's there. You can see the profile right there. And you, and you can be tempted to think, why don't I buy a, a, a message and send a message to this guy and ask for a meeting? What I mean is that the decision makers seem to be really within our reach. The decision makers in the industries where we want to sell. How do you, how easy or feasible is it to approach your ideal decision makers? Look, it's it's very feasible, um, and there's a few things that I would recommend um, to someone to do first and foremost is um, you can send a connection request to anybody within reason, unless they have the settings on that you need to have their email address. But that tends to be more the higher end influencers like Tony Robbins or Bill Gates mm. that, that seem to have those settings. Um, you can send a connection request to anybody on a free account. Um, I would first of all, personalize it. Um, mm. And what I mean by that is um, explain why you're connecting, um, perhaps use something that's in their profile. So secondly, you need to have read their profile. Um, and, you know, whether it's, you know, you're keen to connect with other people in the industry or um, perhaps there's something that in their profile that you you have in common. Um, the, one I, the one I use in, is um, Jane Jackson, who's a career coach here in Australia. I think on her profile she has. Um, if you're going to send me a connection request, mention golf, cats, or um, that you want help with your career, and I will gladly accept. And I, it's just such a nice line because you can say, hey, I love cats too, or hey, I see that you like cats or whatever. Like it's just such a fun way to open a conversation and she's just left that that little carrot there to know the who, who's actually bothered to read her profile and I think that's kind of fun. But in, in terms of in all seriousness coming back to how you should do that, have a look at the articles that that person has written mm. have a look at the posts that they've made have a look at their recent activity because you might be able to say look I read your article about um you know the the initiatives that you've got going on in your company like what that's amazing you know I'd love to connect here on LinkedIn look at the comments that they've made um perhaps they've put up posts um and also the other thing that you can do um if you're not quite ready to reach out to them yet um Follow them first because then you'll see their content and then you can start to see, um, you know, what it is that perhaps how you can how you can, how you you can, can make an approach. And that is a nice passive way, particularly if you're just getting started on LinkedIn um, and you're not sure about reaching out to people. Um, mutual connections is another great way. If you, there's a lot of them, they're probably quite widely connected, so it's hard to, to name drop. But if there, there could be one or two from your industry or somebody that you've previously worked with, um, that can work against you. But if, if it's, um, it is something worth checking. Mutual groups as well. You can see groups mm. that anybody on LinkedIn is a member of by going to the very bottom of their profile and clicking interest. So see what groups they're in. Join those groups as well. Um, then you've suddenly got a mutual way to reach out or a member of X group. So um, 
there's lots of ways in which to do it at a really personal level um, that isn't isn't a robot sitting there um, doing it for you. I think what you said makes sense. I, the the first thing you need to do in my experience is put yourself into the radar, and you definitely no, don't want to do it in the in the incorrect way. Why? Because there is almost oh no, there is zero trust when. When a relationship is at the zero point, you have to be very careful as to how you approach somebody. And I speak from experience. You will not have a second chance. So even the, whether the personalized connection request or whether the message that you will have the chance for that person to actually read and pay attention to, you should better take that first opportunity you have to convey your message to them and craft your message very carefully, considering that the higher the, the, the person on the hierarchy of, let's say, the organization or the industry he or she is, the less the chances, in my experience, you'll have a chance to send follow-up messages and email. So make sure you don't ruin that first chance as and when it comes. Craft your message purposefully. As you said, do your background research. Establish and ascertain a valid reason as to why you are reaching out to them. And then do it. Maybe they will not respond. Uh, but maybe they will. And I had, I had such cases in the past, and I'm very grateful for it. But I also failed. Sometimes I was, you know, when you're, when you, when you fail, that person will simply not have any more time to spend on you because they are way too busy. They are important people and so on. So you're very correct. And I think it all comes down to earning touch points. This is what they say in marketing. So it's about touch points, appearing before their newsfeed, reading a, a valuable comment, as you said, sending something about an article they wrote, Putting yourself on the radar and then moving in. That's how I think you have better chances of, of connecting with them and making sure you don't screw it. <laughs> Pardon my French. So try to get it right from the first time. Mm -hmm. That's how I see it. Don't know yeah, if absolutely. And if they don't accept your connection request, you can send another one three weeks later. Don't send the same one and perhaps wait more than three weeks. The, the limit on LinkedIn is three weeks. But... Um, if you have sent it and they haven't responded, you can withdraw it and try again another time mm. and follow them in the meantime. And perhaps in the meantime, you create that visibility that we talked about. You you show yourself. On and the a, I mean, a good, a good profile helps. Having a profile picture, having some it's a good about section, a background image, mm. the things in your featured section that are, you know, perhaps articles or posts you've done in the past, things like that. Because they're going to look, if you send them a connection request, they're going to look at your profile and you want that to speak the best of you, um, not um, not a, a, a sort of a half-hearted effort. The million-dollar question, quantity or quality on LinkedIn? Well, I, I think it's all about quality. Absolutely. I, I'm 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 someone who is 
really unbothered by numbers of followers. Um, I'm about the last person who'll ever make a post and say, you know, thank you to my 10,000 followers um, because I don't see followers as a community and I think that's one of the most misunderstood terms in in marketing is community because your 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 following is not your community. Um, your community exists as an overlap between many 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 things. One of them being followers, but um, having ten thousand followers does not mean you have ten thousand people in your community. And so I'm very very um, all about the quality of of the content and the quality of the engagement rather than the quantity. I intended to bring up the subject of Seth Godin later on, but you gave me a pass. <laughs> Seth Godin, who, who I'm a follower and perhaps a raving fan as well, talks about having the smallest possible viable audience is the only thing that you need. Mm -hmm. He said he says that, and I know we touched about the Seth Godin chapter before before we go live. He says that you know you don't need ten hundred thousand followers. You just need, I think he mentions one thousand. I mean, if mm -hmm. you have one thousand people who care about what you do and they will miss you if you decide not to show up one day and they want to see more of what you do, they like your work and they really want to be part of your journey, you won. That's what mm -hmm. he said. You yep. won. But you won a community of people who really buy, buy in inverted commas, into what you do and who are aligned with your purpose and your values. And I think you are absolutely correct that if you have a following of one million people, but there is no alignment of values, let's say, or, or expectations or worldviews between any of those people and you, it can hardly be something that can be, uh, can provide any tangible benefits to everyone involved. What do you think about that? Look, I, I, I mean, I completely agree. Um, funnily enough, there's the two things I'll say on Seth Godin is one, the first Seth Godin book I ever read, or in fact I listened to, and I think it was actually the first audio book I ever listened to was Tribes. Mm. And that I listened to three months before, in fact, yeah, three months before LinkedIn Local started. So that's the kind of influence Seth Godin had on me because I literally listened to Tribes and suddenly started a global movement three months later um by accident and so so yeah I, I I love Seth's stuff I've I've read a number of his books I um I yeah huge huge fan and he's right in terms of the the niche marketing message um LinkedIn local wasn't for everybody there were lots of people who either wanted to be involved or went to events who did just want to hand around the business cards and you know we were very not so much now but when myself and the original co-founders for the first two years we we, we curated um, the experience by setting the values at the very beginning, um, which was not-for-profit, not for pitch-free. Mm. Um, and those two, and, and 
um, inclusive, um, i.e. they were not exclusive events. And those, particularly those, um, well, the fourth one was authenticity, but particularly um, the pitch free and the not-for-profit really curated the experience for a lot of people in terms of actually coming and being yourself and, you know, sharing stories, not about the, the selling and the, con you know, the constant hard sell um, and so in that way it was curated. Not everybody got it. Lots of people didn't get it. There were lots of people who just didn't. And that, but, and that was where we, um, we said, well, you know, this is, this is what we're building. Um, if you want to build something that's different, why don't you go and build something else? And, and so that was how the experience was curated. Um, and, you know, Seth was, absolutely spot on on um you know in so many ways my my other funny story about Seth is that um I and and it increased my respect for him immensely was um just recently well, in the last few months um finishing the book I was looking for a forward writer um and someone said to me who's your ideal forward writer in the whole world like who do you want to write your forward for your book and I said Seth Godin um, and the friend said to me, well, why don't you just message him and find out? Um, so I, from a LinkedIn connection, obtained his email address and I did email him and ask. And um, I got a response within an hour, which was, of course, no. But the fact that I could actually get a response within an hour was <coughs> immense because um, I, I approached a couple of other people who didn't respond and the no is much better than a no response at all. And I... I have much more respect um, in in that terms, and it was you know it was it was and it was just like oh my gosh I got a I got a response like it was it was really cool to get that from Seth because I'm also a huge fan. Uh, I also wrote to him a few years back on one of his blog posts that really hit a nerve, and I uh, was also pleasantly surprised that he replied within let's say a couple of hours. Mm. Uh, you know he. The very fact that he replies, I'm not sure if he replies to everyone, I, I cannot know that, uh, shows something about him. I mean, it, I it, think it, so. shows, it shows something about him as well. He cares. I think he cares. Mm. Uh, it's he difficult with, with such a big following. I mean, I cannot even imagine his mailing list. I cannot <laughs> even imagine the number. Of, but, you know, it's, I think the guy cares. Uh, and he does a great job. And I agree with you. The very fact that he spent the time to decline, and I have no doubt that he did it in a polite, polite way. I have no doubt about that. Absolutely, it was uh, short and sweet, yeah. but it was a response, and I'm, I'm fairly sure it was him. It might not have been him, but it was still the the fact that it was even acknowledged was um, was a really big part of you know really really big part of that. What what was a nice experience. And it, it's the authenticity as well. What you said before is that about the LinkedIn local and the values of not profit and, and so on. I mean, Seth says, and we can wrap it up with, with Seth because we can talk about his, even his workshops, his podcast for hours. I've, I've been watching his podcast for years now. He says that you have to be ready to tell other people, you know, thank you for telling me that you are not interested in my product. The product is not for you, you know. Or if somebody asks you to change your product so that they can buy it, you respectfully decline and say, thank you 
for your comments, my product is not for you. You know, and be fine with it. Don't take it personally that that person offended me or he, he wants me to change my product. It's fine. You have to be, it's the niching as well, the niching of your message, of your purpose. You have to be okay not to be willing to serve everyone. Like they I'm say, hmm? go on, please. I was going to say, and, and the problem with serving everyone is you, your, your message becomes very bland and... If you appeal to everybody, you, it, it, it yeah, you, your message isn't good enough. Another point I've seen in one of your either interviews or posts is it's a great tagline as well. It, it stuck with me is that values are the new geographic borders. Mm. It was actually Lila Smith who I, I interviewed on LinkedIn who said okay. that, and that was the the key message that um, came. And I, I, but I fully agree with it, and that was why we sort of pulled that from from the interview because um, that came out. Um, that interview happened a few days after um, Blackout Tuesday, and which and Lila was is um, based in the US. So um, it was a really important message and it really, I think, drove home. I mean, they, they really are. We're in a very strange world right now and, and, and values, particularly in that sense, really are becoming the borders that we now live in, not so much geography because a lot of us can't leave the geography that they're within. There's a lot of people that are very used to travelling and particularly, you know, in your part of the world, in Europe, you know, people are just so used to being able to to travel so much, and um, whilst that is now happening again, there's still a lot of um, a lot of people who aren't or or don't feel comfortable doing that. And so, um, we're all navigating this new world, and 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 locals becoming very important, but values are becoming very very important too. We expect to see that digital communities, especially with the COVID restrictions would become even more compelling and I think that the, the ability to harness or to leverage digital platforms so as to create or to sustain or to strengthen your community is more important than ever in today's Absolutely. world. What about you're, you have a book coming up on the LinkedIn Logan. I you, do, yes. We discussed it in the in the podcast. Tell us a few things. What's the uh, point? So the, what's the point of the book? The purpose of the book. So the book is called "How a Hashtag Changed the World," um, mm -hmm. and it's um, reflect. It's the stories, reflections, and lessons from the LinkedIn Local movement. So it's ultimately about how. Um, LinkedIn Local began, it's very sort of small, humble beginnings, how the movement spread um, and what, I, I, you know, what happened in terms of how we organised it, how we um, structured it and, and things that kind of happened in a, in a chronological order. The book then flips to, um, there's a there's about 60 storytellers, um, 60 people who've shared the story of impact that LinkedIn Local had on their lives. So those stories are from all corners of the world. 
Um, the stories are themes around building authentic connections, um, career changes, and also social impact. And so, um, so if you if you like stories, um, it's a it's a really great um, piece for storytelling. Um, I've co-authored it um, with Nicole Johnson in the UK, and mm -hmm. she's primarily been collecting those stories. So she's done a wonderful job. And then the end of the book um, is really um, flips back to my voice um, and talks about what what happened with LinkedIn Local and LinkedIn um, and what we learned from that. Um, and it. It provides a blueprint. It's an example of a blueprint for future communities and future corporations to look at um, the impact a, a community that can have. Um, and it, it, you know, it looks at, you know, some some really key ways in which that, um, you know, companies and individuals can think about communities um, in terms of the things like authenticity and social impact. Um, and how that can enrich marketing and connection with um, with customers. That's fantastic. And you expect it to come. You've chosen also the cover I've seen, which is a great yes. one. I, I I also voted in favor of the the, the more simple and <laughs> it was a clear winner, actually, a very clear winner. The, the map of the world. And you have like three three weeks to go. Yep, should be out in three weeks. Is it, is, is it, is it self-published? How, it how is, is self-published, yes, entirely self-published. So Nicole and I are navigating that um, whole new world, which it really is a whole new world, particularly when uh, you're trying to distribute a book not just in one country um, mm. because we have to be mindful of, like obviously Amazon is the very easy example, but mm -hmm. um, it's very difficult to order a print-on-demand book in Australia from Amazon, even though there's an Amazon AU, they don't print them here, so you have really? to pay the shipping. Yeah, so we're, and the, the shipping is as much as the book. So we're trying to give people a few options to gain access to the book that mm. um, in, within the countries that they're in, um, which because there's around 90 countries represented in the book. Um, and so, um, yeah, we're trying to, um, it's it's just navigating that and all the, um, mm. the, the back-end setup. So we're nearly there. Um, and there's a fun um, campaign happening on the LinkedIn local social media channels, which is just resharing a lot of the old content, a lot of the old videos. So if LinkedIn local is something you're interested in doing, I'd recommend following those because you'll get some good tips from some of the old videos that, that I'm sharing there. That's fantastic. Let me ask you a few final personal questions, personal, not in the negative sense. And then we have a, two comments from viewers. And then I will let you to your own uh, schedule, Anna. Okay, first question. If you were to choose one single noun, okay, to best describe who, what, what and who you are, would it be a community creator, a coach, an educator, a storyteller, a marketeer? Could you I, would, I would have to say community curator. Community curator. Mm-hmm. It's the one that resonates second, with me the most. Second question. If you could give any advice to your younger self, let, let's go back a bunch of years. I would not mention how many. <laughs> I'm kidding. So what kind of advice you were to give to your, to your younger self, to the younger Anna? Anything to change? Anything to be careful, to be more cautious I would, about? I would, I would 
say to have more confidence. Hmm. Something Very I liked, possibly still do, but <laughs> yeah, that was de that would be my advice to my younger self. How has the success of the LinkedIn local affected your confidence? Uh, look, it's been amazing. Um, it's opened up a whole new world in terms of um, global connections. Um, I was very much trying to, you know, it, it, it opened a lot of borders and a lot of, um, a lot of ideas for me and really resonated with, um, with me was the, the impact that, that just a few people can have um, in terms of, inspiration and behavioural change and um, the way in which people use social media. Um, it was quite a compelling idea that I, we just used to shake our heads in disbelief as to what it, what was happening. It was absolutely crazy to experience. So talking about inspiration, are there any entrepreneurs that you, you look up to or you, admire, or you admire or you would like to take some of the attributes and integrate them into your own worldview? Look, I, th I mean, Seth Godin would be a very um, huge, hugely inspiring for me. Um, there's someone called Naomi Simpson in Australia here who is actually an official influencer. Um, she does, uh, she's in our um, Shark Tank, which is okay. if, if you're in the UK, Dragon's Den equivalent. Um, I know it's Shark Tank in, um, she has been on that show, but she, I, what I really love about her is she's got a really, um, really good focus between corporate and um, also social responsibility as well. Um, so those would be the two I would pick. You know, social entrepreneurship is is, mm. the, is the way to go. I mean, it's everywhere. Fantastic. And the last question, any books uh, that you recommend, whether on personal development or on business? Maybe, I know you read quite a lot. Mm. Look, I, that's a really great question. Um, I, the, the, the book I think that um, was, there's probably been a couple recently, but the one that really springs to mind is a book called Big Potential mm. um, by Sean Acor, um, very much um, about um, coming together and how teams can, can work together to, to build each other up to a, 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 a teams together, you know, with a, with a purpose. And the other one is a book just out this year um, called Together by Vivek uh, Murthy um, about, um, you know, social isolation and what we can do about that. Um, it's a really, really incredible book. And he's done a lot of podcast interviews this year as well. So you can catch one of his podcasts, but that's, um, and that would be my other recommendation. What's the author's name again, Anna? The author's it's name? It's Vivek Murphy. It's V-I-V-E-K-M-U-R-T-H-Y. Excellent. Thank you. Let's move to the two small comments. First comment is from Patrick Kamau, coming from YouTube. Great to be watching this session. Hi, Patrick. Thank Hi, you very Patrick. much for your comment. The second question is from a fellow podcaster in Cyprus, the first person to launch a legal podcast in Cyprus. Christophorus Christophe. Christophorus, the question is, would Anna suggest to use LinkedIn business and pay subscription more on the technical side? 
I would say no, um, simply because you'll know when you get there. I don't think there's any advantage of being a premium subscriber um, until you start reaching your monthly search limit. Um, there are, you know, things like profile views, they're good, but I don't think they're really worth the money. Um, Sales Navigator is an exceptional product. And so what I tend to say to people is if, um, if you've reached the point where you need premium, you're reaching your searches every month and you're there all the time um, and, and you're doing a lot of searching, don't go premium, it's actually go up the next level, which is Sales Navigator, because the features that you get on Sales Navigator, and I, I don't know what it is in your country, but in Australia, it's only an extra $30 per month. You get a mm. whole wildly wonderful available search features that you don't get on premium. Premium is just what you see but with more search functionality and the ability to see who's viewed your profile primarily. Um, so most of my um, audience has been built on a free account. Um, you'll know when you need to go up. Um, and if you need to go up, I'd look at Sales Navigator as an option. Um, and at that stage, you should be getting quite a lot out of the platform and, and building a lot of really good relationships. I think it's clear. Thank you to Christophoros for his question. So the sales navigator is like, a, and I'm wrapping up, it's, it's suitable for building relationships and for B2B as well, or is more more on the HR sort of side? No, so very much B2B relationships. A lot of HR will have the recruiter level. Mm. Um, and so that's obviously for anybody who's in a, in a hiring um, capacity. Um, Sales Navigator is really good. One of the best features it has is it actually gives you the ability in any search result to see the active users. So whilst you might do a search yeah. and see 3,000 people, wow. um, under Sales Navigator there's a tab that will give you the 400 that have been active in the last 30 days. So you can really concentrate your time Um to those 400 people who you know are active, you're not reaching out to people who haven't logged in for six months, you know they're active, then you know they're going to see the request um, and it's a really good way to, to concentrate your time. It's got great saved search functionality and it, if, you, if you're going to use it long-term, you can build your, a bespoke news feed just of your leads and your target clients and make sure you're seeing that. Um, but, again, that takes a bit of time to build up. It's The searches are, are great. Even I've... I've had clients who've taken it for a month, built a really good network of very engaged users um, and then have, have gone back to free. Um, and they've got a few thousand new connections that are all active, all in the target market. And it's a great, great, um, great search functionality on there. Patrick sends another message. I believe the future of the world is communities. Thank you for the session. Thank you, Patrick. Couldn't agree more, Patrick. This brings us to the end of this podcast. Um, thank you so much for being a guest, Anna. I really enjoyed our, our talk. So did I. Thanks for having me, Philippos. Thank you to the people who have watched live on the various platforms and to those who, who listen to the audio version on the various podcast platforms. Have a wonderful rest of the day, Anna, and to our viewers, and we will be in touch. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye bye, fantastic. Bye bye. I save a prayer for those who care. I keep the faith, but no one will dare to hold my hand until the end when all.
the pieces fall into place My body's weak, the mind is tired But there's a fire that heals deep inside I close my eyes and stretch my soul to gather up 